Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Still just a punk. He's still a punk. All right, I'm going to go, uh, I'll just play a soundbite, do an ad. And then we'll... The day rock. began. Yep, sorry. No, you're... <laughs> Here we go. Three, two. The day began with, with several different conversations. I think the players spent a lot of time talking uh, with each other, but I also was able to catch up with, with more than a few of them. And um, I think a lot of... Uh, what came about today and deciding not to play the game came from organizing our thoughts a little bit, spending a little time uh, touching base with everyone. And um, when we got together as a group, um, it was something that the, the players wanted to do, which I, I think is when it's most meaningful. Rocco Boldelli talking about the Twins' decision to, I think boycott is the appropriate word, or strike, whatever it is. It's a player-driven decision across these sports to not participate in the game's practices. We'll dive into that for a minute. It's also Action Movie Rewind Friday and a classic, Karate Kid. Wax on. Wax on, wax off. And I watch this movie like once every three months because I just was <laughs> always on TV. You guys haven't seen this movie in years. Yeah, it's been a while. And so we will we will dive in. But a quick shout-out to Federated Mutual Insurance Company, uh, a partner here of us on the Mackie and Judd Show and also on Purple Daily where you can find our daily football conversations. But they've been helping business owners in the state of Minnesota for over 100 years and they've been shielding business owners against not only everyday challenges, but also big picture risks and things that you might run into, I don't know, during a pandemic year, for instance. They are helping with pandemic response plans and HR policies and everything in between, everything I just mentioned. Go to federatedinsurance.com to find out more information about the industries Federated protects and to find your local representative. At Federated Mutual Insurance Company, it's our business to protect yours. TCL is a proud sponsor of the Score North Studios. Enjoy more of the things you love with TCL. These two guys have Minnesota sports flowing in their veins. Mackie and Judd on Score North and scorenorth.com. Almost initially right off the bat, uh, said that one of our players stood up and said that I, I don't believe we should play today. And that player was uh, Taylor Rogers. He uh, was the first person to really speak. And uh, Nelson Cruz spoke. Trevor May spoke. It was uh, it was a very powerful gathering. Uh, the players were in solidarity in, in the decision. We ultimately formally raised our hands and unanimously voted not to play out of respect for all and and the uh, you know and and going in in the direction we did. I'm I'm very proud of the way it was handled by our group, respectfully and thoroughly. All right, let's do a quick dive into the Twins deciding not to play yesterday's game. Uh, several other teams also decided not to play yesterday's game, joining the NBA, which was the 
the first group of players to boycott their playoff games a couple days ago. What are your thoughts on the Twins? The Twins did decide to play against Cleveland two nights ago right. when all this was coming down. Right. And then after sort of reflecting on things for 24 hours, um, what is the significance in your mind of the Twins deciding to Join the fray here. So I think the reason why a lot of games were played on Wednesday, which surprised people, I think, that there were that amount of games that were played after the NBA's decision was because a lot of teams didn't have a lot of time to discuss this. And so it's like they took their naps, they woke up, and they were going to go to the game. And then it's like, hey, the NBA's canceled all its games. What should we do? And in that amount of time for the early baseball games in the evening on Wednesday, for instance, I think it's a little bit difficult to be like, let's cancel. So I think the Twins really saw yesterday as their first opportunity to talk and discuss this and and give their feelings as a group. I agree completely. I agree completely for the very reason why that we are seeing on Twitter a lot of people say, I'm done with sports. This is forcing them to confront this. Like, like this is this is largely... What is this at its core, Phil? It's black people saying, why do we have to be uncomfortable, right? Which makes it completely ironic that then white people who like sports turn around on Twitter and are like, well, if they're not going to play. I'm uncomfortable. I want to watch the game. That's the reason why they're doing it. Yeah. So, again, you know what? I am very open to debate this, and and I'm not going to shout you down if you say you don't agree but the one place where I will take a stand is I believe that these decisions by by leagues and by teams take courage. Yes. And and I but if you are saying that your favorite baseball team or your favorite sports team not playing is one uh making you uncomfortable and two it's causing you to now not watch, that's the very point of the exercise. Yes, uh, it is and I, I feel like we we largely we as a society and as a country just keep getting hung up on the first part, which is this is inconvenient to me. Why is my why it's is my sports to be not afraid that a, that an officer is going to shoot you? Correct. If he pulls you over, that's why we're doing right. this. And so you know what you're seeing is you've got you've got prominent black athletes that yes are rich and yes don't necessarily have to deal with the issues that you know poor black civilians have to deal with on a regular basis, but they are they are representing the voiceless, which is why, specifically in the NBA, where there is a lot more black uh, population than in Major League Baseball, they are using their platform. My concern here, and, and I would put the Twins into this group too, mm-hmm. and every other professional sport, MLS has had boycotts, the WNBA has had boycotts as well, and NFL teams have elected not to practice largely. The Vikings had a two-hour internal discussion Mike Zimmer has said, I'm on board with whatever you guys want to do. It sounds like they had a a good, productive discussion, and then they decided to practice, and that's their prerogative. My concern is that these boycotts won't be followed with clear action points because effective protests have to include two components. Number one is the protest itself, which is meant to, as judges laid out, gain the attention of people. We are going to do something or, or stop doing something in order to say, hey, look at us. We have something to say. We have a grievance, and in protests can come in the form of strikes. They can come in the form of peaceful assembly. They can come in the form of non-peaceful assembly, violent assembly, which we've seen across the country. And and ideally, we wouldn't get to the point where we've gotten with some of the rioting and looting and violence and things like that. But but effective protests have to include two components. Number one is the protest itself, which is, hey, everybody, look over here for a second. This is going to be inconvenient. We have something important to say. But if you don't follow it up with the second component, 
you render the first component not meaningless, but a lot less effective. And the second component is action points mm-hmm. that are easy to comprehend, that are easy to communicate. What are the things that you want to change or accomplish specifically when companies go on strike? When you see, like, when the, when when you see nurses walk out or teachers walk out. Let's let's use teachers as an example. When teachers go on strike, that is a form of protest. They aren't just going on strike and protesting and leaving everyone to wonder. Wait a second. Okay, we all value education, but no, it, it's usually. We aren't going to walk back into that classroom unless we get a 5% pay increase and unless we get these supplies and unless we get this and this, right? Right. And so right. I think it's really, really important right now that whether you are LeBron James and Chris Paul in the NBA or whether you are in, in the Minnesota Twins, for example, are just sort of saying, listen, we support the cause and 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 this is more in solidarity. The Minnesota Twins aren't going to be organizing the action points off of this. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm not saying that, hey, Rocco Baldelli, buddy, it's up to you to organize the action points. But it's up to somebody to organize the action points so that this isn't just, oh, sports shut down for a couple of days because black people keep getting killed by police officers. There needs to be some list of actionables off of this for it to really come to fruition. The threat of this happening again, though, and where it might take place says a lot. I, I think the... Re- the reason why violence and looting does not help is because it's not sustainable. Like, you can't do it. You're going to be arrested. You're in trouble. So it's not like you can just keep saying, all right, we've uh, destroyed a downtown Minneapolis. Now we're going to go to St. Paul, and then we're going to go to Chicago, and then because you're going to get in trouble, mm-hmm. right? Here's where sports holds a hammer that we've never seen until I really think this week wielded and where sports has a say and where there is actually an action point in the threat. Athletes are one of the few groups, professional athletes, and especially guys like uh, LeBron or Mahomes, and I'll go through some of the greatest ones. Coyle? They, no, no, not. No, oh, no they don't hold a hammer as much. But anyway, if if athletes threaten to and or simply don't play, they can't be replaced. And so if I make you uncomfortable, what what are we looking to affect here? We're looking to see people who have power affect people who have power, basically. We're looking to, uh, for lack of a, be- a better term, make the rich uncomfortable and affect the rich and make them say, oh, we can't have this happen. So, so like, if I go burn down a place, okay, yeah, that's a, that's a statement, but then I get arrested, I get in trouble, and the rich say, you're going to spend 15 years behind bars, and I'm I'm done. Um, but if you have pro sports w- walk out, and the threat that they could do so again, they can't be replaced. So, again, and I think the only thing about this where I think I come to your side completely is is – this shouldn't be done necessarily by inflamed passion. And I'll bring up something that I think would be incredibly, incredibly powerful and would force people who have a lot of power um, to stand up and be like, oh, my God, this can't happen. The Thursday night National Football League opening game is the Texans and Chiefs, two unbelievably talented, young, great black QBs, okay? Um. Now, you could say, well, it's going to be done by then. I mean, the thing in Kenosha is going to be a month old by then. And blah. I don't think that's how we should look at this. I think we should look at this, too, as, as the ability for teams and leagues. And in football, there is no more popular sport in this country 
um, to take action and to make a statement when passions aren't inflamed, because that's when people who are are rich, who own teams, who run leagues, who, by the way, have pull with what politicians like that's who you're looking to get at. Right, Mm -hmm. Phil? And so if you say if the Chiefs and Texans say we're not playing. People are going to be like, what? You can't do that. And they can say, absolutely, we can. In fact, it's been done before. Now, passions were high then. They're not as high now. But what better time to impact the rich who have millions to lose here than during a time where the passions aren't high to say, we wield power too. And athletes have the one. Like, if I'm a film star, right? If I'm Tom Cruise and I'm like, I'm going to make a statement. I'm not going to act in this next film. You're going to replace me. Yeah, Brad Pitt will come in. Yeah, exactly right. Mm-hmm. If I'm Pat Mahomes and Deshaun Watson and I say, I'm not playing, you got no choice but to say, oh, my God. I mean, you're sliding Matt Moore a little bit here, I think. He beat the Vikings no, last but, year. No, but. But, but if those two walk, yeah. everybody walks with them and you have no thir- Thursday night game. And now, and now you've got people's attention. Would it be more effective if it was, and I don't, I don't expect him to do this, but if it was a Tom Brady Instead of a Pat Mahomes, I think if he f- followed up with it, it would be definitely. But I think, but the thing, the action that I would like to see next is to do this proactively without mm-hmm. a black man ha- having just been shot seven times, or in George Floyd's case, killed. Yeah. Uh, one other thing on this, and I, I, I do, I, I mean, what you just laid out would be super powerful. And the NFL generally and the owners have been very quiet on these subjects throughout the years, and especially throughout the last year. Um, I don't even know if Jerry Jones has spoken at all since George Floyd was killed. Maybe I'm wrong on that. But I think he has, hasn't but been I, very frontal. I don't think it's been frontal. I think it's so, been... NFL owners are sort of like, let's hope that this all just blows over right. and we can just go back to playing football and guys can practice again. There's been a couple prominent national stories written about that. But the other thing, like the the in terms of the response to the protests and the boycotts, the fan that says... I'm done with the NBA now. And by the way, Mark Cuban retweeted a couple screenshots of like this. It's like all these bots on Twitter and social media. They're literally tweeting the same thing. Like, that's it. I'm done with the NBA now or something. And if you if you search that phrase, it's like verbatim, the same phrase coming from, you know, a thousand different accounts. And so it's kind of scary. Like, where are those accounts coming from? Right. Are those are those coming from internally, externally? Like, you know, what what? What are we dealing with here? But in general, if this week you have decided, that's it, I'm done with the NBA, or I'm done with the Twins. I've had a few people tweet at me, I'm done with the Twins. They've taken my last dollar. Just see our Facebook comments, yes. Oof. Yeah, the Score North Facebook post yesterday <laughs> had me waiting into the I was like all excited, like, I'm going to go and engage. No, I'm good, actually. No, I'm just no. going to let that sit there for a second. Um, you're either lying, so you're either lying or something worse. Like, you're either lying or, or something worse than lying. At best, you're lying. You're probably lying, too, because I guarantee if the NFL players take a knee and maybe Judd's theory comes to fruition, let's say Pat Mahomes says, I'm not walking out of the locker room for Thursday Night Football. All right? I'm never watching the NFL again. Until you have to check your fantasy lineup on Sunday morning. Until by but, week when you have to but, go to the waiver wire and pick up a quarterback. Come on. But those people are doing exactly what the players want. They're impacting the rich white guys. This is what they want. Like the players are playing you. If you actually stop watching your league, you're being played. Because what happens? The players don't give a crap about you, nor should they, okay? But if you really do, like let's say enough, let's say enough 
white people were like, I, I liked sports, but now I don't. I'm not going to games anymore. I'm not going to buy the merchandise. Guess who that impacts? Not really the players. It impacts the owners. But then it also impacts the players after it impacts the owners because they get paid less. But but, but before they, millionaires. But, but before but before that takes place, the owners go to whom? Their friends, the politicians, to be like, can we get rid of that police chief? Like this is what the players want. The player basically, but, the, the, but they should specifically state that at some point. Well, like the, the NBA players probably yeah, have the leverage in the spotlight right now. Then, like, it, there needs to be America is as attention deficit as it's ever been before. Mm-hmm. America literally needs to be told right now by LeBron James or Chris Paul, these are the three things we want to happen. Period. And voting is one of them. I like it, but there needs to be something I specific. I love it. And otherwise, like, you, all right, you just gain people's attention. You piss some people off. You made life inconvenient for some people, and then it went away. Right. It hasn't right. gone away yet. But the most important, but the most important thing that these guys can do is they can impact the bottom line. They're essentially saying it's worth our financial loss potentially. Potentially, it's worth our loss um, to get the owners now who also are going to lose cash. Let's say from jersey sales or ticket sales not being there. And then those and then those rich guys go to their country club to talk to the governor or the mayor and it trickles down. But you're right. I think a plan of action being stated would be the ideal thing. Yep. This was uh, more Rocco Baldelli on the decision to not play last night. Truthfully, all of our energy has been spent on what's going on right now. Um, and what is the, the what is the most impactful way that we can react now? And what can we do now? Um, while also knowing that you know, how this affects tomorrow exactly. I don't know if anyone can answer that question. I think it's uh, it's something that a lot of people are thinking about, but I, I know that I, I don't have the answer for that. I just know that what we decided to do today was most definitely the right thing to do for our group. Uh, and we feel very good leaving the ballpark today um, about the way that, that it was handled and, and the message that uh, it sends to everyone in our clubhouse and outside of our clubhouse. So Rocco Baldelli, very introspective. Um, I wish he was more introspective in his use of Tyler Duffy. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Just going to throw that out there. Wow. I feel like Tyler Duffy should be pitching more in high leverage situations. But <laughs> <laughs> didn't see that coming. That's a good comment. I like that. Uh, should we let, let's? Should we? Are we wrapping with Roycey? Should we wrap with Roycey before action movie rewind? <laughs> all right, Patrick James Roycey. We wrap with him every Tuesday, Wednesday, and Friday. Uh, two in-studio appearances for Pat this week. Yeah, Great. I came in uh, to see Suchi Boy or do Suchi Boy and uh, cut an ad or two. So uh, here I am, uh, live and in person on a rare, cloudy day in Minnesota. Uh, the Twins, uh, supposedly Detroit's got lousy weather, huh? So maybe a uh, day after a protest, they won't be able to play today either. Wow. Right? Yeah. What time is the doubleheader supposed to start today? I don't know. When, middle of the afternoon. Just right? afternoon, our time. Beautiful. Seven inning games. We get the best of everything today. <laughs> it's the best. But are they playing them back-to-back yes. or not? Okay. Yep. I, I communicated with Dustin this morning, and he said he thought they may only get in one because of the weather. Mm, okay. Rack them. Hey, uh, we were sorry to hear about your brother, Pat. We saw you tweeting about Yeah, your brother, Pat, uh, Michael uh, turned 80 on Monday. Uh, he, uh, To his credit, he quit smoking in uh, 2007, but it was a little too late by then. COPD, and, yeah. Uh, the, uh, he, he was in the early stages of it then. He, uh, he had a heart attack in 07. And, uh, but he'd, uh, he'd done pretty good for about the last 10 or 11 years. He wasn't really good the last two years. 
I talked to him Monday. He was whining about the uh, doctor he'd seen a week earlier who told him it might be a good idea to get his affairs in order. And Michael said, your bedside manner's terrible. But uh, (laughs) but, uh, it turned out the doc was right, and uh, Monday he uh, collapsed. But he was a beauty. He... uh, you know, my dad was one of the all-time goofballs, and Michael was five and a half years older than me. And uh, my father really weaned Michael into that lifestyle of, uh, uh, as I already said, if gin rummy was an occupation, he would have been a millionaire. So, uh, <laughs> and uh, he, he cards, pool, uh, all that. He was good at all that stuff, and he wasn't. He was a smart guy. He had no interest in academia, though. That was. Uh, He'd much rather be playing cards or something. But uh, we played a lot of golf together back uh, in the 70s and 80s. And those matches, uh, those those pairing matches were always a lot of fun because the, the needling never ended. I'll tell you that. Wow. Did you, uh, I'm trying to, like, what was your peak as a golfer? Like, were you, were you, were you breaking most, 100? Or like, no, what? yeah, well, in the 90s, I got to the point where I was, I'd break 100 as often as I didn't. And then I waned into absolute patheticness. And, uh, and, uh, I, and, and, well, actually, when I started doing full time radio was nine, I think 2009, and I played less. And I, but I'd gotten bad before, bad again before that. I always had this thing where, uh, I had to aim left to hit the ball right, you know. I had the big slice. That's me, so, when I drive. Same know, thing. I'd hit my drives 220 yards, but unfortunately it was only 110 yards straight. I, <laughs> in front, in front, 110 of it was sideways. So I'd uh, stand open like I stand open like Tony Batista when I drive. Yeah, I'm not right, exaggerating because yeah, right. I just played it yeah, the slice. Right, kind of like Nelson when he's uh, trying to sit on a yeah. fastball there. Uh, so anyway. Yeah, I, I played a lot. I was playing 50, 60 times a year there for a while. I, every Tuesday when I was off, I'd go play somewhere by myself at 8 in the morning and, and uh, you know, find some play. If, if I didn't have a game that day, I'd just play by myself in the morning. But you know what? I don't miss it. Takes too long, right? I, if, 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 I, I'm with you on that. It's like you pay 70 bucks. It's like it eats up five hours of your day. Like, I love golfing, but if it could be a two-and-a-half-hour situation. Yeah. I'm shocked that that you were ever that patient, Patrick. Well, uh, generally speaking, I played where you could play fairly fast, and uh, you know we'd get off early, or we'd have a connection at a private club or some damn thing. Uh, so you know, back when you could, uh, back when all the pros were guys you knew, you could sneak on once in a while. I, I told you the great We Like Whitney story, right? Oh no! Uh, at Woodhill, right? You know, Woodhill is as exclusive as as it can be. But Phil Reith was the pro, and basically on Mondays, you had the Phil Reith open out there because the course was closed. So everybody drank with at Bunnies or uh, or all the kids that worked there were uh, would play on Mondays. And Wong and I and a couple other guys, we always got in. And we got often got in on those Mondays. So Wheelock invites me out to Woodhill, right, to play uh, Viking owner on Tuesday, on a Tuesday morning, and we're on the first tee, and... Wheelock said, here, you can get your, here, we'll take a photo. You can get a photo of yourself playing Woodhill. And I said, well, that's uh, that's really nice of you, uh, 
We like, but I should point out I played here yesterday. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, yeah, we had some connections back then. But uh, I, I, you know what? I've decided. I decided ten years ago, fifteen years ago, it should be a front seven and a back seven. It's, you talk about seven inning baseball games. Yeah, they should yeah, have. Yeah. Uh, they should have fourteen hole uh, golf. Golf, I think, would be good. Yeah, idea. like I still want eighteen holes for for like PGA. Oh, events. sure, yeah. But yeah. for for just like you know, actually, I've gotten in this argument before with Chris Long, our friend from Channel Five. So Chris is of the mind that, and I'll throw him under the bus here. If I'm going to take like five hours out of my day on a Sunday. I want to like I'm I'm going to play my ball. I'm going to score. I want to know what my score is. And some of the other guys in the friend group, including me, are like, "What's the difference if you shoot 102 or like 93? Yeah. It doesn't yeah, matter. Right. Let's play a skins game. Let's play like let's play two on two. Let's play best ball. Let's create even if you even if everyone's shooting 30 over par. Let's make sure that when we get to the ninth hole or the 18th hole, that that double bogey putt is for like ten dollars. Yes, you know. Yeah, that's a good idea. Put but, some pressure on it. Well, my golf the last now the the Mike Augustine uh, Memorial, which was always held in August, uh, uh, went had a twenty year run and it ended a couple of years ago. But I always, you know, I still would play in that thing. And Mike Firmoil from the Pioneer Press, I worked with him there, and then he's you know was three time state amateur champion and. Uh, and he used to play in our foursome. And I said, I actually hit the ball from where Mike, during his summer, I hit the ball more from where Mike Firmoil hit it than from where I hit it because uh, we would play, you know, you would play a scramble and you'd play his drive and then you'd play his second shot and putt. <laughs> so, uh, you know, it's nice to have one good golfer and play a scramble, right? You can hit, you can we, you still get to hit the ball in the woods if you want. What to. was the, there was a, I feel like it was like a twins twins media scramble like six or seven years ago and i can't even remember who was on my team but it was like someone from the twins and a couple other players so we was it was it like the john gordon scramble or something yeah yeah gordon had one yeah Yeah. the john gordon scramble and and so my team won and we probably it was 18 holes my team won we probably had i don't know 75 or 80 shots like when you added up all the shots that counted they used two of mine. <laughs> I have the trophy. Well, I, I think it was the Randy Shaver one. Yeah, I played in that a few times. Now I just sent him a check. But uh, <laughs> but uh, the uh, I, I, it was that, and I show up in the morning, and a lot more people want to play in the afternoon than in the morning. I show up in the morning, and there's five, you know the five players. I'm the stick in the group. Oh, no. We were in trouble. Oh, we no. were in You're trouble. You were a big hitter? We were in trouble. And they used my ball. When they're using my ball, our contest was to see who had the best lie in the woods. You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. We finally just started throwing them out and hitting them off the side of the field. Hey, I got a twins question for you. Yes, let's go. What's the rule against Tyler Duffy pitching more than an inning these days and it seems like every i mean he threw nine pitches two days ago against cleveland looked fantastic yeah hadn't pitched in three days and then didn't come back out for the year back in there and boy help me you're trying to get to the finish line you know you're not going to get another run probably no i agree with you i i've said that all along but uh i they got they got more faith in sergio than i do i'll tell you that and sergio they'll pitch him any day and i suppose they can because he's just throwing slop right yeah, but I mean, is Duffy that 
that No, that's not brittle? his idea. That's no, not but is he that idea. brittle that his arm's going to fall off? I mean, he threw nine pitches, Pat. Yeah, I know. They were all strikes. No, he I'm sure if you give him the ball, he'd, he'd, throw love 18? To, he'd love to go back out there and throw, but I don't know. They're... You know, it used to drive me crazy with Guardy. I used to argue with you. Can't argue with him. It's hard to argue on Zoom. But uh, <laughs> I used to argue with Guardy all the time. You can't even talk on Zoom because you can't fit, figure out the no, unmute. No, I haven't asked a question I got to help you yet. out with that. I haven't asked a question yet. I got to help you out with five, that. Five, uh, but Guardy, remember Guardy would get the five innings out of the starter. And then he'd use a, uh, one inning, one inning, one inning, one inning. Yeah. Ahead or behind, he used one inning. And then the next day, he'd complain he had to use his whole bullpen. I say, no, you didn't. You could have pitched somebody two innings yeah. and then somebody else two innings. And then you would have only had to use half of them. But uh, Guardio, could... Guardio has loved being challenged in the postgame. <laughs> well, I would generally <laughs> wait. I would generally wait till the, the, uh, the whoever was doing the TV interview was gone before I would question his... Uh, his his complaints about That's having true. to use his whole bullpen. Yeah, he doesn't want to be he doesn't want to be questioned on Fox Sports North post. <laughs> I think the craziest card he ever got. I mean, I got along with him great, but I wrote a piece about how I hate the word defense. You know, my Sunday little thing. I, I hate the word defense in baseball. And then I said, even Gardy, who should know better. Doesn't use fielding. It's fielding. Tom Kelly's the last guy who used fielding, right? And Gardy said, that's a big issue to you. Huh? <laughs> I say defense. Yes, it is. Not defense, it's fielding. Guardy, man. He's got the, the Tigers are pretty feisty. They, well, they, they, they beat Cleveland the, twice this year. They got their prospects all up. Yeah, they the two pitchers. Boy, there's and, some weird happenings yesterday. Just how about the Pirates winning two from the Cardinals yesterday? Oof, that's when you lose two to the Pirates, you got to feel bad, don't you? It's uh, it's bad. Awful. And, and uh, I've I've been telling the Reds to just give up, wave the white flag, and trade Trevor Bauer. <laughs> and uh, they sweep the Brewers in a doubleheader yesterday and hit a bunch of home runs. Yeah. The Brewers aren't any good. Brewers are. I mean that they they tried to bring in all those reinforcements for the guys they lost, and then Kane bailed out on them, and they got Abasol playing center field for God's sake. Yeah, sakes. that's probably where you you know you're dead. Yeah, yeah, they're not very good. But you know what the heck? You only got to get in the top sixteen. So yep. I don't know. So I well, what's uh, what's on your docket this weekend, Pat? Don't know. Don't know uh, what's uh, what's going on here. I, I have not yet heard from the uh, immediate immediate family what the uh, what the arrangements are for my brother. So I don't know what uh, what we'll be doing. But mostly now in the funeral business, which is as the son of an undertaker, all this cremation bothers me a lot because we you know we would have been in poverty if we had cremation back then you know you you had to sell the good casket to keep your economy going you know you'd, <laughs> you'd have the expensive caskets out front and then the second room you'd have the medium size and then if you went way in the back you could find the cheapos right well all this cremation has uh, really changed the the business but uh, most uh what it's got to be eighty percent now. So I it's eighty percent cremation now. I would guess, and, and and memorial services, and there's no hurry. You know, it's like a right. Oh no, not it, now. It used to be. Uh, got the you picked up the, the body, you embalmed it. Yeah, waked it the next day. Everybody got drunk, and yeah. then you uh, eat some ham sandwiches. <laughs> yeah, got to get that thing in the ground back then. The next day, you had the funeral, and you went back to the church and ate Jello salad. It was, yeah, which was, was awful, by the way. That, that food was crap. Totally disagree. I'm a big Jello salad guy. <laughs> oh, oh man, I want right. better funeral food. Yes, <laughs> that's my next point. Listen, <laughs> as the son of an undertaker in the 1950s, in a county 
that was either Lutheran or Catholic, one or the two. That was all you had. And they were all Germans, and they were pretty well split down the middle. We had to go to church dinners from the middle of September till the end of October to a Sunday for, you know, I got so sick of the same coleslaw. I've oh. never, you get, you bring coleslaw in my house, I'd rather have a rat. <laughs> <laughs> I, I had millions of coleslaw. And roast beef sandwiches? No, but usually fried chicken. Oh, okay. Which was okay, or roasted okay. chicken. Yeah, fried chicken. There's nothing wrong with that. Right, mostly roasted chicken, I guess. Are you, are you are you a potato salad guy? Loved it. Love it. Okay. Mm. I was say if you're if you're also on a potato salad, but there's a difference between good potato salad oh, bad, and church potato salad. Bad potato salad is not good. Are you guys? Is, are good you guys eating the mustard tinted potato salad? Or I don't the... mind a tinge, okay. but not not okay. a not a big uh, not a big. Overly well, if you get it from the store and it's fresh, I love it. But I'm saying if I show up to a funeral and I get that potato salad, that's crap. Okay, I got to put in a plug for these poor devils. Forty uh, second and Douglas. In uh, New Hope or Robbinsdale or Crystal or whatever the hell it is. They got Hy-Vee on one side, Byerly's on the other side, Cub, Almsteads. It's a little super value, independently run. Great potato salad. Really? Fantastic. You, oh, that's and when you go back and get it, it isn't sitting in some container no? for a week. It's they slop her right into the uh, plastic cup for you. It's great. Somebody should do the the local metro <laughs> potato salad power rankings. They should. They should. That's pro- it's probably on us collectively yes. to do that on do this that. show. Yes, my wife gets upset because I go to Olmstead so often, and she says, "Why? Why do you keep going there? Potato salad and." Peanut butter cookies with Spanish peanuts oh. in them. Oh, oh whoa, whoa, whoa. Oh, Tell me more. Man. Oh, Gosh. they're great. Yeah. So they're good. Great. They're great. And, uh, you know, it's uh, – so I put a little plug in for them. I like because I'm, I'm always – Armstead's 42nd in Douglas. I'm always surprised they've survived, but they're still <laughs> there. Good for them. Uh, all right, Pat. We'll catch you next week. All right, gentlemen. All right, let's wrap in with Roycey. Hey, the maintenance man. Hey. Yeah, we're the new people in apartment 20. Yeah, a faucet's really leaking there. Well, can you come fix it? I... Well, can I tell my mom when? When what? When are you going to fix the faucet? After. After what? After, after. Fear does not exist in this dojo, does it? No, sensei! Pain does not exist in this dojo, does it? No, sensei! Defeat does not exist in this dojo, does it? No, sensei! Welcome in to installment, I believe, 22 of Action Movie Rewind. You're the record keeper. I hope you know. I know. We're in the early 20s. We hit the 20 mark. We're on our way, on our way to 30, and uh, we're staying in the 80s. We did 48 hours from 1982 last week, which was uh, the first ever Eddie Murphy cinematic experience. Doesn't exactly translate well to 2020 culture with the free use of inappropriate words. And now we go two years further into the 80s, 1984, the classic Karate Kid. That's right. Name a place. Tournament. (laughs) 
You've got real nerve, old man. Real nerve. But I think we can accommodate you. Can't we, Mr. Lawrence? Yes, Sensei. Fall in. Ask one more small request. Make it fast. Ask leave boy alone to train. <laughs> You're a pushy little bastard, ain't you? But I like that. I like that. <laughs> All right. No one touches the primer down until the tournament. Is that understood? Yes, Sensei! 1984's Karate Kid, newly arrived in California from New Jersey, teenager Daniel Sun. Almost immediately runs afoul of karate-trained high school bullies. He's rescued by Japanese janitor Mr. Miyagi, who agrees to teach Daniel how to harness karate for good instead of brutality. The film culminates in a championship karate bout, pitting Daniel against sworn enemy Johnny from the Cobra Kai. The cruel and thuggish boyfriend of Allie, that's what Johnny was, and with whom Daniel has fallen in love and vice versa. It's a love story. It's a coming-of-age story. It's an action movie all rolled into one, and it's the first of a three-movie series that then spawned a Will Smith's kid version at some point and a couple other ones. 88% on Rotten Tomatoes, an $8 million budget, Turned into $100 million at the box office. Ralph Macchio, Pat Morita, Elizabeth Shue, who was just the uh, the, the adorable 80s teen idol, and uh, William Zabka as, as Johnny from Cobra Kai. He's great, too. So I watch this movie pretty frequently whenever it's on. I, it's like multiple times a year I watch this movie. Judd, it's been 30 years, you said, since you've seen this movie. Yeah, and I can't decide if I saw this originally in the theater or if it was Karate Kid 2 that I saw, but... So you may not have seen this movie. I might, I'm sure I've seen it. I don't know if I saw it in the theater 30 wow. years ago. I'm not sure which one I saw in the theater. And Dex, you're, you came around like a decade after this movie, so this is a little bit before right. your time. I, I, it's probably been at least 15 or 20 years wow. since I saw it. So basically, this is a refreshing experience for you yeah. guys for this movie. Judd Zolgad, let's start with you. Your initial thoughts and favorite part, or not, about Karate Kid. <laughs> well, there's a lot to unpack here, because I'm going to acknowledge that this is for its time and and I do not say this in the gone with the wind sense but this is sort of a classic in its time for for what the plan was I think and what the expectation was and I think the people going into this film didn't think it would hold up cuz the 80s was really weird there were a lot of things back then that you know clearly you watch now and it's just crap and this is not that um but I have a lot of feelings about this film. I have a lot of there, there's a lot of room to explore here from from an actual cinematic discussion of this film. And I would like to start with this one. I would like to start with a Zolgadian favorite in this discussion, which is pace of play of movie. Okay. Oh yeah. It's a it's a little over the two hour threshold. That there we are to. there are so many portions to this film that if you get like if you brought the raw version to me now and said Judd, what do you think? How how do we how do we take this to market um, time wise? Because the actual film does not age that poorly. Like there's a lot of stuff that's still like okay, I get that, totally get that, mm-hmm. and it's not like oh my god, that is so 1984. How did you do that? Uh, but the pace of the film, to me, is dreadfully slow. There's so many things that could have been whacked. There's so many storylines that they, like, hammer you over the head with that, that are that are fine, that are fine storylines. I'm not trying to say that I would eliminate them entirely. 
But the relationship between Daniel and Allie. You, it, you need that, though. No, uh, you don't need it to drag on you that need long. It. Okay, but, you I, always but hate I'm going to give relationship. But, but I'm going to, no, 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 because I'm going to give you the pace of play key here that I could have conveyed as a, as a filmmaker much, much more <laughs> quicker and to the point. The actual relationship between Daniel and Miyagi and all of the training and all of the painting and all of the. Wax on, wax off is a great scene. But that scene by itself tells me exactly what he's doing, okay? Remember, dear, no question. Yeah, but I... Right. Wax on, right hand, wax off, <laughs> left hand, wax on, wax off. Breathe, in through nose, out the mouth, wax on, wax off. Don't forget to breathe, very important. Wax on, wax off, wax on. Wax off. Hey, where these cars come from? Wax on. Detroit. <laughs> Wax off. But you, but part of it is you need like you need that point where Daniel gets sick of all the chores. Like, what right. are we doing? I'm but supposed I to be training for a karate tournament. Right, but I could have gotten you to okay that scene. I leave it because it's a classic scene. The painting scene, I could have sped up by tenfold. You didn't need him painting both sides of the fence and the house? Exactly. Why right. Why? Why did we need the, just, why did we, I could have gotten this puppy down to an hour and 45 um, so quick it would have made yeah. your head spin. Okay, so it sounds like the extra 20 minutes for you, and like, yeah, there's a couple things like, I get painful. it. painful. I get it. He's in a feud with these guys. I get it. The, I, like the Mr. Miyagi, I get it. Like. Right, like I he's, didn't he's need, drunk and look. And I don't need Daniel to be knocked off his bike when I already know he's being picked on because he bike. won't shut his mouth. But did those things overshadow the movie? It sounds like those things overshadowed the movie for you. This is the first. This is the first time that I've watched one of these in. Did you say twenty two, twenty one, twenty two? That I actually had my finger on the fast forward button. Wow, oh, I, had really? on, no I had it on. I had it on. I had it on there. Dude. I had the thumb on there. Because it was so redundant in storyline, and I knew what they were getting at. I feel like you are such, like, you're the Tin Man. You're just, you're, you're so averse to any sort of non-violent, centric story. Well, I'll get into that, too. That's a whole nother, okay. that's a whole, that, you, you know what? That part of the Tin Man, a whole nother discussion that okay. I'd like to broach. Anyway, right, Declan, okay. what, was your, what was your main takeaway from this movie? Okay, Judd is right. It's way too long. Uh, I didn't have my finger on the fast forward button. I did have a nap involved. I literally had to pause the film. <laughs> What's wrong with you guys? I had, I had to pause. It's not, it's not gone with the wind. I had to pause hours. the like movie because I was like, I was toning out. I was like, I, I got to. Like go take a nap or something. I can't. I can't focus. Twins Look, games take three hours for God's that's, sake, that's and we don't like that. Yeah, that's that's fine. <laughs> that, that's why I refer to pace a movie. So pace yeah, I, I hit pause right after the balance scene on the boat, and then I went and took a nap from like <laughs> literally six to eight thirty, which was a horrible decision because I was up all night last night. All right, you know, to, to your but, point, to your point, I just about asked you which balance scene on the boat because there were multiple. So I, I will give you. Well, that. there's the balance scene we on the pier. Need, we didn't need multiple balance. There's the balance scene on the beach on the pier thing, and then there's the balance scene on the boat, and then he goes back on the boat yeah but like with even what judd's saying like i think there were like even the opening scene like all right so he goes from i think new jersey right and yeah, then there's the scene in tucson where they're pushing the car like it takes like eight minutes for them to get to california and i just don't think that was necessary Can you i think they should have just said all right 
here's this kid. He's getting bullied. He lives in California. He has a tough time fitting in. I didn't need, like, the eight-minute backstory of the road trip there. The mom oh, mentioning there's a pool, point. like, seven times. All right. That's fair. It, it was, like there again. was, there was the a mo- lot of The scenes. mom's character is just sort of bizarre to Can I please with. have the floor yes, for one second? Absolutely, okay. absolutely. The mom is almost completely unnecessary. It is weird. It's like her... She's only there to like embarrass him, yes. and I guess you know what her like the mechanism for her is that he is sort of, like he's supposed to be made out to be the kid who's bullied, and I have something on that later as well. It'll blow your mind, and so like part of him being like this misfit outsider is that his mom also comes to pick him up, and so there's that part of it. But um, yeah, her her whole character is weird. Scene- she, like they they moved to California. She's like, yeah, just like go out, hang out till midnight with yeah. your random friend in this dark beach well, area. I don't mind her driving driving him to his date because that you know that that shows the differences in culture and class of of his girlfriend and him. I get all that, but the one like I don't get is so at the start he gets beat up a few times, right? And he keeps getting beat up, and I get the idea. But the mom at the start is like, oh, my God, take off your glasses. I want to see your eye. And so we go through this whole scene, of, and then she freaks out. You've got a black guy. By the end, he's getting his ass kicked in, in the tournament, and she's there. Yeah, no. it's, like, it's like mom was unnecessary. He's just yeah, like, kick his ass, yeah. Danielson. Yeah, yeah, this is great. I don't care if you're. Which, I mean, he can't walk. By his bleeping knee is exploded, and she's like, he's gonna go. And by the way, the time between when because the movie is set in the it starts the first week in September. That tournament is like the second week in December or something. Yeah. Believe me, it so felt like, like they, it felt that week, long. Only like three months had passed. They, right. did ridiculous. A, they did a good job. It felt like three or four months. I, I will say my, my favorite part of the movie, too, because we're clearly just picking on this in the first 15 minutes. But my favorite part is just the fact that a group of teenagers and a psycho sensei is threatening another teenager <laughs> and an old old man. Like, that's, yep. that is the plot of this movie. Yeah. It, it's like a bunch of psychopath teenagers led by their sensei, and they're threatening this weird kid with his maintenance man also pseudo sensei like yeah. it, it that that was my favorite part all right well you guys have, have just dumped all over this <laughs> well, in the I first 10 minutes here I I, i've got and, i've yeah. got a page and a half and of notes I, and okay? i want to say because i have Not a bunch done. of i have a bunch of nitpicks as well but i just want to start by saying this is one of my favorite sort of bubblegum movies of all time i this is such an easy watch you can really you can duck in for any 10 or 15 minute portion and get some sort of entertainment value out of it uh, i think the soundtrack is awesome when they when they go from from Ali in the early rounds of the tournament, you're the best, Daniel. You're the best. You're the best. And like that whole song, you're the best around. Like the the soundtrack is great. Mr. Miyagi's iconic. Um, Ralph Macchio is iconic. This also spun off thirty years later a YouTube series called mm-hmm. Cobra Kai. I was watching uh, so, stuff about that last night. Yep, in which they kind of flip the roles in which, like, Daniel's son is the one that's... And Allie, of, Allie, they are threatening, might come back, but in real life, she's not happy. Interesting. She's not in happy. Life? In real life, uh, she Contractual was... Contractual dispute? No, no, no. Elizabeth Shue, evidently, for the second one, the, the story was that she had gone... In real life, the story that they told the media at the time was... She had gone to Harvard and was unavailable for filming. She did go to Harvard and didn't graduate until 2000, but she uh, was written out with a mention that she had run off with a football player from UCLA, and she was not pleased that they didn't ask her back. Oh, so she would have come back to Washington. Yes, yes. And I I saw, I guess she's a Red Sox fan, and Machio's a Mets fan, and 
Macho talked about he saw her like at game one or two of the 86 World Series and like she confronted him. Oh, wow. And he's like, he's like, I don't know. I'm basically a a hired gun myself. I have no idea why they didn't. But she confronted him and said, why did you guys write me out like that? That's fascinating. In real life. All right. Well, since we're down this path of Allie. You see the work I did on this damn film, Mackie? Since we're down this path, and and I'll preface by saying I love this movie. This is a great movie. There's a lot of other things to praise here, but. My biggest nitpick with this movie, it doesn't make sense that someone like Allie would fall for someone like Danielson. Why would Allie fall for some random loser weirdo hothead who just moved from New Jersey? She is clearly like, so So the Cobra Kai group led by Johnny is like the cool group of kids, right? They're like the kids who kind of run the school and you know Johnny's the good looking leader of the group. And so she is, in high school sense, she is clearly, like, at the top of the dating chain or yep. the, the the pyramid, right? Yep. Like, she can pretty much date anyone she wants. She was dating Johnny, and they broke up. And she just, like, randomly sees this on guy in elastic bottom sweatpants on the beach. Her rich family and his poor family and, and, and the contrast there. Uh, the fact that in front of her, like, the first time they meet... Daniel's son just gets his ass kicked in front of all of her friends and gets embarrassed. His new friends abandon him because that's, of that yeah. interaction. That's the weirder one to I me. Like, he's like yeah. he's an outcast. But, so it's it's weird to me that like she would just be so obsessed with him. Now, it doesn't make sense. Here's what's weird, though. I think the second part that you brought up is the weird part because his new friend and then, by extension, friends lives in the rundown apartment that he does, right? Yes. So, like, they would hate Johnny and that group. So, like, why they would dump him as their friend? Because it's not like they're rich or something. No, so that, but that's my, that's to my point. No, I know, he, but he is like but he's I'm already tell on the you, lower end of the pecking order, and those people but disowned I, him. But I'm going to tell you, I know exactly why Allie likes him because she's rich, and her parents are complete snobs, and she hates Johnny now. He is the polar opposite. She's what supposed to be. 17? I don't think she realizes that until she's probably 25 or 30. No, no, no. High school girls love... It's all love... about status when you're 17. Yeah, but high school, totally. girls, high school girls also love to drive their dads up the wall. And the one scene where her dad goes, you're not going out with that boy from where Encino again, are you? That's why she does it because girls love to drive their parents up the wall. I, again, I don't think it's it's. There's. I'm she's, telling she's you, that's not what the right introspective enough at 17 to fall for a guy like Daniel. But she's smart. No, no, she's introspective. She's a smart kid. She knows what she's doing. She's yanking her parents' chain. All right, Dex has thoughts on this. I know because yeah, he was tweeting about it. Their rest, their, their entire this. relationship is extremely painful from from the <laughs> from the moment they meet on the beach, which is just like you guys are talking about. Like, it doesn't make any sense why like popular girl Allie likes dummy Danielson. And then, like when they they go on their little date to to the little fun place, the mini golf and 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 bumper boats and whatnot. And by the way, Judd Zolgad, did you ever have any uh, dates with bubble hockey? Because I thought of you the moment. I've, that's in my notes. Hockey. That's of in course. my notes because that is my. I mean, I if I was not in love at that, I fell in love instantly. I mean, if I was a if I was a eighteen year old boy and a girl said, "Let's play." Bubble hockey to me. <laughs> You're just I'm saying. married to her now instead of Dawn. I literally thought of you the the, the moment. I never that meet scene Dawn started. then because I got my girl. <laughs> I've never met Dawn. Bubble hockey. Uh, and then like you know their date ends all awkwardly because she's the popular girl, so all the boys are coming up being like, "Allie, let's go for a ride." <laughs> yeah. So and the car was being driven. It's a it's a convertible being driven by Johnny yeah. and then his his psycho friend yeah. from Cobra Kai. And God, what, a, what a deflating moment! And then your mom drives up in that beater station wagon with wood paneled doors right. on it. Hey, hey, kids! Hey kids. Oh, oh, dude, the worst. Well, how how about the the thing where she picks 
Allie up from her parents' house. And then they've got to pop the what pop the clutch or something. Yeah. So oh. so she gets out and pushes so and stuff. Mom. But that was actually, you know what? That scene itself was uncomfortable, but sort of like I could sort of see this one. Oh yeah. There were other scenes. It's it's just that if they had been more constructive about what stayed and what went, I think we could have gotten this but, thing down but, to a really good. Okay, but, but but okay. Are you going to keep hammering the pace of play throughout this? Oh, whole Oh, it's a huge movie? deal okay. to me. It's the overriding <laughs> it's factor of this film. It's not at all. It's the overriding so factor ridiculous. of this film. Not to mention that you picked you picked uh, no. the first film ever with this no death. Saying. You just said I wanted the station wagon to blow up and kill them all. You literally just said that the overriding factor of Karate Kid oh, is that it's, it's two hours and six minutes. It's too long. Oh, here over. He Dex, got my back. Hot Take Cops is recorded on location with the men and women of Sports Talk. All suspects are innocent until proven guilty in Hot Take Court. So, of all the things that make this movie iconic, from the end scene, the the crane kick, Mr. Miyagi, and Wax on Wax Off, Mm -hmm. your Mount Rushmore of, your George George Washington of Mount Rushmore is, that's two hours and six minutes. It's two hours and six minutes. It's the 20 minutes that you could have gotten out if you had just come to me. Oh, that's amazing. If you had just come were you, to but were you, was 15-year-old Judd savvy enough in the editing room in 1984 to be able to have chopped? I would have taken it to an older prof- um, uh, uh, film type at Benilde and had them cut it down for me. <laughs> and even again, this the picking apart their like relationship. That, I like how Decker And I, I did this, what, what was, uh, I forget the one I did with Swayze that I didn't like this either. But like his makeout scene with Allie, like he just goes like full- Succulent mouth right oh, on yeah. her mouth. I was like, ah! he sucks her. He sucks her tongue out of her <laughs> yes! mouth. You are. I I noticed that one. Now now Swayze. So so the Swayze one is bad because of Swayze's age. Like I could see where a young boy wouldn't know how to kiss, but you are right. Like he puts it- instead of them instead of their mouths meeting, he like hoovers her wow. face, and it's like I have expect her face. To be gone, which, by the way, would have made for a great action film if her face had been sucked off. God, that's hilarious. Um, One last note on the relationship for a second. I honestly just say I can't think of, like, of all the different guys that she could be dating in that school, in and around the area. She could have have got a college guy. She could have. What is, like, the quality about him? He's a good-looking kid. He's funny. He's a good-looking kid. He's, he's kind of funny. funny, I guess. Yeah, and he's a hothead. He can, and he can play soccer. He's I guess. confident. I'll give him that. He's confident. He is pretty confident. He's very different, probably, in that environment than what she was used to from boys. Because he's always getting in fights. Sure. He's cocky. I, I actually, guys, I'll defend that this one. I could see it, and the fact that her dad hates him and his his culture upbringing, I, I get that part. But yes, there are there are flaws here. I'm not trying to defend the whole thing. Okay, let's spend some time here on Cobra Kai, led by okay. Johnny. Okay, so Cobra Kai, between stalking Allie on the beach scene, like Johnny comes up, he's basically stalking her, saying like grabs her radio, and right, she's got aggressive. a nice boombox, dude. That yep. that was an expensive boombox back in the day. They tried to kill Danielson by basically running off. Running him and his bike off that huge hill when he's biking and they're on their motorized bikes. By the way, that scene too, like he falls too late. It's like you would fall quicker. He like gets halfway down the hill and I falls. Mean, take it up with the stuntman. Yeah, uh, and then they and then they chase him down after the Halloween party and and if if not for Mr. Miyagi, he might have killed him. 
Cobra Kai and Johnny, did they cross the line from being just bullies or, or were they more into like the attempted murder stage here? Like, where would you put them on the on the on the bully spectrum? I thought they might have I thought they were just a little bit like there was a couple attempted murder situations in that I'm not fully comfortable with. After they pushed him down the hill, I got the point. And so like by the time that 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 Miyagi has to come and kick ass, I was like, but uh, I, I would put them at probably on the bully spectrum. I'd probably put them at, at a solid eight because they did. I, I mean, when before Miyagi shows up to kick ass, they are beating the crap out, out of Danielson. Like that was not a they, they said, stop it, Johnny. Stop it. He says, I'll tell you when I'm going to stop. And so I put them at an eight. Um, but I will say this. My favorite scene in that whole film <laughs> is when Miyagi shows up and goes full Seagal on those boys. Because that was, I I was, I was hungering. I, this is going to sound bad. I was hungering for more violence. I wanted more violence. I mean, that's the whole purpose of this. And clearly, no one was going to die. So when Miyagi shows up and kicks some Cobra Kai butt, got to admit, I enjoyed that. Okay. All right. Dex, what do you think of Cobra Kai? What are your thoughts on Cobra yeah, Kai? Yeah, they, they're pretty aggressive, and I think it starts with their crazy sensei. Yeah, like the, the, the former Army Ranger karate champion. Like, it doesn't seem—I don't know anything about karate because I didn't do karate. I grew up in the school of hard knocks, but I, I don't—it doesn't seem like karate should be attack first. It should be defense first, right? It's like strike that is first, the, strike hard, no mercy, sir. Mercy is for the weak. So it seems like— Fear does not exist in this dojo. Defeat does not exist in this dojo. We are in the reciprocal of what karate is from their standpoint, because I thought karate was only supposed to be used in self-defense, not on attack mode. Okay, so, if you had to buy into—if you had to buy into one of the uh, the dojo methods, all right— Strike first, strike hard, or mercy is for the weak. You have to buy into one of those. Which one are you buying into? Strike first, strike hard. I like the second one. You're, it sounds mer- like a sports. It for the sounds weak, like no a mercy. sports thing. Yep. Okay. Up by ten, home run, flip the bat. I, I also mercy be- is for the. I weak. also believe, even though I've never been in a fight, that I would I can outrun most people. So strike first, strike hard, and run the hell away. Like, You've never been in a fight before? No, not like not no. even in like eighth never? grade. No. Never. Not in, no, never. Oh, my God. In grade no. school, I was the champ. No, no, no. I got no. in a ton of I fights in grade school. I was a tiny little runt, but I always made good friends with people that were bigger than me. That wouldn't help me out. So I was good. So you in, ne- but you never dabbled. Fights. No. Like, no. girls didn't, like, there There girls wasn't a... didn't bully me? No. They bullied my heart? <laughs> That's my point. <laughs> it's it, like but, fighting over girls. But, like, yeah. yeah, but, like, there there wasn't a girl that you and a guy both liked, and then you had to... Never throw down. I mean, there's definitely been situations where probably a guy, my buddy and I like the same girl, but there was never a Saint Cl- fight over Saint it. St. Cloud State, all the bars that you went drinking at, yeah. you never had a hothead come at you or something weird happen? Uh, I get sometimes a little bit. I guess once one time some okay, dude tried you. to like mess with the, I had one of those hats with the jawstrings and this dude kept like pulling it. I was like, dude, you got to stop that. And he wouldn't stop it. So then I told my buddy was a bouncer and the dude freaking threw him out and it was one of the coolest so you, things ever. So oh, just, so other people fought your strong yeah. friends. Yeah, it's always leaned on so bigger other people and fought your fights yeah. for you. Okay. Yeah, I would that's do that too. You of M, I had a, I had a six foot six friend with tattoos on his arms yeah, that would like, definitely step in yeah. on behalf of the five foot three Phil Mackey here. Don't mess with me. That's great. I work with two real tough guys. Um, what did one of the other nitpicks I have with this movie that I otherwise love is that again the, the timing of the like he gets he gets to California on like September seventh or something. School's just starting. He's getting bullied. <clears throat> excuse me. All throughout the first couple months, 
and and it's the Halloween party, so presumably on October 31st. So he get, he gets his ass kicked on October 31st. Okay? Goes a shower. Remember that? So now we're now we're into the early part of November, mm-hmm. all right? And he, in this All Valley Karate Tournament, I believe is like the first week in December or something. I think it's it's like December. The, yeah, the dates says, in the it's like December fifth or something. Yeah. So he has one month. One month, and he's he's never done karate before, really. Like he does, he looks at was it the videos of the magazine at the beginning. So he's he's really done no karate before, and he spends the first two or three weeks, presumably, or let's say at least the first week, painting the fence, sanding the floor, waxing the car, painting the house. So that probably took him at least a week, right? So he only had like three or four weeks of legitimate training for an all valley karate tournament in California, in Southern California. Of the best, like, 15-year-old to 18-year-old karate kids in Los Angeles. When does he go to the dojo and the whole challenge happens? Like, in early November. Because it was after the Halloween party. Okay. So so early November is when he goes and the the challenge takes place. So he has basically one month to train to beat the Cobra Kai guy. You're you're a little unrealistic for me. Bothered more by the realism of the timing. I'm actually talking about the real timing that's the only place where we differ i'm just talking i don't care i don't care if it was the week after halloween i just wanted to speed it all up can we that whole halloween dance homecoming thing was also really weird like okay so he goes to shower which i think is kind of brilliant because it does hide him well and he's trying to trying to hide from them but then he he plays that great prank on johnny but it's not like, like johnny never sees him do it he just like is in a fluster and then Daniel just like runs away. I got questions like, about this. Like I was like, dude, I don't think he knew you did it. I I, I had a lot of whole questions there. I was like, I don't think anyone knew who it was because that Spider Man kid walks in. I thought he was going to kick his butt. That's what I thought too. And then I was yep. like, oh wait, wait, no, he's going to chase after him. And then Daniel looks totally guilty, running away in a yeah, shower like, curtain. He, he, he should he should have just not run away. Yeah, just casually walk out. But yes. the, but the advantage. Oh, stay in your curtain. No one's but gonna here's go. what bugged me: the advantage that. Danny LaRusso had is he's Declan like he's smaller yep. he's slight and he's got speed yep so explain to me why as Cobra Kai is chasing him he like starts to pull up like he totally could have gotten to that second fence and jumped it yeah. but he like slow but they like said you got to be caught to get beat up so slow down it's like that wouldn't really happen. We needed a second take on that one. That is kid's that got. Saying? What I'm saying is, it was implausible to me that he would be caught because the one thing he's got is he's small, he's skinny, and so he's got speed and, and the ability to climb that fence really quickly. I, I also did not appreciate Johnny rolling a joint in the bathroom and his joint rolling ability. I was questioning too. I, I just didn't understand what was going on. Mm. I was like, this seems a little. <laughs> Didn't, didn't seem like the right place to be doing that. Well, little, wait, little, little tidbit there in my notes. Wait, well. he didn't do it right, or yeah, you didn't it just like lo- it? Didn't look. I didn't like his form at all. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> you should have been a. Uh, you should. You should should have been gonna, the joint if, coordinator if you're be on roll set. Join at at the school. Bring it to the school pre pre roll. Don't don't you, roll it in the bathroom. You're saying like they have a stunt coordinator in these movies. They needed like a joint rolling yes. coordinator. Yes. Yes. Declan Goff. I didn't Teach appreciate you. it. <laughs> If you had been alive back then, they could have gone and got you. I wrote that down. I was like, I don't like that. All right, (laughs) Mr. Miyagi. Let's spend some time here on on Mr. Miyagi, one of the one of the iconic characters in cinematic history. Okay, so um, of all of Mr. Miyagi's training methods and wisdom, which one did you guys find to be the most profound? What what did you learn the most from Mr. Miyagi in this movie? Um. What did I learn, or or yeah, what did he teach or which of the 
mechanisms did I like the most or think no, what was what, the what, most? What connected with you the most? Um, that being a hothead, I think the lesson was this, because Danny is a hothead. He's predisposed to fight immediately. He mm-hmm. doesn't think first. If there's five big guys, he's going to try and fight them. And I think the lesson was that that approach is the wrong approach. If you are if you are actually going to work in the field of karate and <laughs> become some, be, you have to be patient, you have to be smart, and you have to be well thought out. And I think that's what Miyagi teaches you. And plus, he, he's got an entire backstory, which they touch on fairly briefly. Kudos for that. But he's got an entire backstory of the path that life can take you. And I think it taught you that Danny's way of just being reactionary is probably not the smartest thing that you should take time and understand the art of karate and hence the art of life. Wax on, wax off. How you paint something translates to actual fighting. That's what my lesson was. I I liked the balance one because he was talking about 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 fists and being balanced. Left to right, up to down, side to side, breathe in, breathe out, and no scare fish. You want to learn how to punch? Better learn balance. Balance is key. Balance good, karate good, everything good. Balance bad, better pack up your home. Understand? Yeah, I understand. Yeah, I, I, I think that that one was really important because, yeah, he just wants to punch people. And it's like, no, no, no. You have to learn about yourself first before you just go out and strike someone. I, yes. I, I, I thought it was very poignant. It was all about your balance and your mental mental game before you just want to start hitting people. Yeah. I actually found a website. It's the top 20 motivational quotes or quotes for wisdom from Mr. Miyagi. I'm just going to go through some Because there's a website for everything. Yep. It's okay to lose to your opponent. It's never okay to lose to fear, Mr. Miyagi. You trust the quality of what you know, not the quantity of what you know. When Daniel's son was asking, I need to learn more moves. That's the quality. It's the Vince Lombardi. We're going to run the ball. We're going to tell him where we're going to run the ball. And we're going to be able to execute. First learned stand, then learn fly. Nature rule, Daniel's son. Not mine. Never put passion in front of principle. Even if you win, you'll lose. It's mm. going. Mm. Sounds like Herb Brooks right now. Yeah, it's very Herbie. Yeah, more than Miyagi. Uh, just remember, license never replace eye, ear, brain. Daniel just got his driver's license, and Mr. Miyagi says Miyagi gives him a car. Eye, ear, and brain. Yeah, nice car he gives him too. That's a big tax hit. Here are two rules of Miyagi karate. Rule number one: karate for defense only. Rule number two. That's first learn rule number one. Yeah. So ba- basically, it's all the opposite of what the Cobra Kai kids were being taught. Yes, which is no mercy, strike first, yeah. and just go, just go and, kill. And then kill. that scene where they they put every they you know they they put everyone around the ring or whatever you want to call it, and then those two guys fight, and the one guy gets knocked down, and the dojo says or the sensei says, "Finish him." Yeah. Like and he goes combat. over and gives him an elbow to the spine, and this kid just <laughs> crawls back over. Like, what? You see, you see, that's the Seagalian type of film Give I'm me looking for. If you, guys, <laughs> if you guys could get Mr. Miyagi to do the rub hands together thing and fix any historical Minnesota sports injury ever, what would you have him fix? Uh, 2017 
Eagles. Vikings, Eagles. No, injury. No, oh, injury. Injury, I think injury I to a player. Physical injury. Well, then Teddy. Then Teddy. Really? It, it's not even close. Teddy. I think I know my number two. So is Teddy's Teddy. laying on the ground, and you just, he's just writhing in pain. He's got a bone sticking out of the leg. Yes. Mr. Teddy. Maggie comes around. I think it's, I don't know how it would be unanimously, Teddy. Well, who else would it be? Judd? I'll go with a different one. It would be, it would probably be early in the NFC title game 2009, Favre's body. Oh, you go ankle. Yes, because you could fix that, and I don't think Favre. I don't think Favre throws that pass to Rice, and is as stupid as Favre was at the end of that game. If he was not completely, completely destroyed, okay, might be wrong. I, I would go. I think it was August of two thousand six. I'd go Frankie Liriano UCL. Yeah, he could do that. That'd be my second choice. Fix that elbow. So what? what Twins win the World what Series. What do we think that beyond? I, I guess the um, term. Lower body injury. What What do we think Danielson was dealing with when he went back out there? Torn ACL? Sweep the leg. You have a problem with that? No sensei. <laughs> no mercy. I mean, it's for sure like an, an LCL. There's 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 definitely ligament damage there. It's. I think it's probably possible it's a torn ACL because I mean, he couldn't put weight on it. He needs surgery, right? I would think so. Yeah. But his mom, who... By the way, was afraid of a black eye to start the film now is like, yeah, go out there and kick some more ass. So, yeah, what did you guys light. think? I mean, the improbability of him as really just a, a, a novice fighter and then a novice fighter on a torn ACL fighting the top fighter possibly in the whole tournament with with his teammates yelling things like, get him a body bag. Yeah. And by the way, great line. By the way, those Cobra Kai kids, the, the rest of them. Come on, like you can't do better than, than that. Those guys were reciting lines. I want, I wanted more passion from those kids. Johnny, by the way, it was only an eight million dollar budget. Like Johnny is, Johnny is great. I, I'm a big Johnny fan, but his friends were like, "Yeah, I do it, Johnny." Okay, here, here's it's my, enough, Johnny. My biggest issue with the tournament part is that all right, these guys are ruthless. They've tried to kill Daniel Larusso twice in this movie. They tried to run him off like a two hundred foot hill. Damn near three times. And they actually. tried to like they tried to kill him. The like, beach was pretty bad life. too. Yeah, multiple times. So why once we get to the fight portion, like the climax of this movie, and the and the sensei who's been preaching no mercy, no mercy throughout yeah. the whole movie, right? I'm with you. I, I know and exactly like two, where you're going. Two of these kids are just like when he says sweep the leg, and the kids like oh, what, what? And Johnny, and then and then Johnny he gets he brings him to Johnny. Yes. He's like, uh, was it sweep the leg with Johnny or whatever he said to Johnny. And Johnny was like, uh, I, I, I just know if I can do that. It's like, what do you mean? You've been a ruthless. Well, I agree completely. And the other thing, and I know it's done for the v- value of the end of the film. After Johnny's been an a-hole the whole film, is he really going to give Danny the trophy? Yeah, I, I agree with you on that That's one. A little weird. It's just like, I, and look, the one thing th- that I will say about every film that we have watched is I don't really go in uh, trying to hold the film to is this possible because most of these films just aren't and it's just fine except for Rocky Four. <laughs> but but is he is Johnny really at the end going to be like ah you you, you deserve this or something? No, he's yeah, an a hole. Yeah, and I, I and by the way, I was very good with him being an a hole. Yeah. The other thing about that ending there, so I don't know anything about karate scoring, but so they're tied two to two. And I don't even really know like what makes a point, but they're tied two to two. I think, I think waist and above. Waist and above. That's what she, a lot of lower body stuff. That's what yeah. somebody said. Yeah. So it's like I thought it was like, like chin and below, waist and above, but mm. but so it's two to two, and and a third point wins it. Johnny gets the punch to the face 
when it's 2-2. And the referee says, no point, that's an illegal blow. No point. So they come back and they reset, and it's 2-2. All right? And then I believe this is what happens. Thanks a lot. So so it's two to two, and Johnny gets the punch to the face, no point, doesn't count. Danny gets the kick to the face for the win. Yeah. So you can kick a guy in the face, you get a point, you can't punch a guy in the face. That's a great point. I I never even thought about that, but that's a fantastic point. I feel like there's either like maybe they're saying I know what? If, I, I, I don't know what they're if, saying. If that kick to the face had happened at the 145 mark of the film, I wouldn't question it one bit. <laughs> you were just out by that point. Um, it's the longest around. Nothing's oh going to stop God. this film. Okay, I have a couple other things that are going to blow your minds. One in, I've, in particular. I've got one factoid that I'd like to bring up. No, go ahead. You, no, you go first. Means, go yeah. first. Did you guys do the Wikipedia search on the ages of... Oh. Of Machio and Elizabeth Shue at this time? I, I did for Machio. I did not do for Shue. No. Okay. Oh God, no. So she was... Oh, God. She was... and this, So this isn't awful, okay? But she looks to me to be between... They, they did a good job here. She looks to me between, uh, between 15 and 17, probably 17 or, or so. She was 21 at the time of this oh. film. Okay. I, that's thought you, not, I thought you were going to say she was like 16 and he was 40 years. No, no, that's not bad. But here's the thing. With Machio that I've forgotten. He looks so young. I swore to God he was 15. Okay? Yeah. He was 23 years 23. old. What? When this film came out, he was 23. I mean, for her ages, I was a little bit surprised. And then I'm like, yeah, that's fine. That's not that surprising. That's amazing. He, Ralph Machio was 23 and had, had been in what? The Outsiders the year before? Is, is that right? I couldn't tell you. I, I guess he was so... so they brought in a bunch of people for the role of Danielson, and evidently he got it in large part because I think he'd been in The Outsiders, and this was going to be essentially the same character. But he's 23 years old. The casting section of this movie before they landed on Ralph Macchio That's is what I'm ta- incredible. Yes. So a number of actors from Wikipedia, a number of actors were considered for the part of Danielson, including Sean Penn, <laughs> Robert, yeah. Robert Downey Jr., Charlie Sheen, well, Sean Penn, by the way, was just coming off of Fast Times at Ridgemont High playing uh, Spicoli. All of of these names make perfect sense, I think. At the time, yeah. Robert Downey Jr., Charlie Sheen, Emilio Estevez, Nicolas Cage, Anthony Edwards, Tom Cruise, and Eric Stoltz. Eric Stoltz would have been, like, that would have been the least surprising. Machio was ultimately cast on the strength of his performance as Johnny Cade in The Outsiders 1983. And, um... On the on the female lead side, well, hold on a second. Actually, Crispin Glover was considered for the role of Johnny, <laughs> but the studio later opined for William Zabka. Uh, Demi Moore was considered for the role of Allie oh, that, at the whoa. time, and Elizabeth Shue was cast based partly on a Burger King commercial that became widely popular in the early 1980s. Yep. Filming began on Halloween 1983, and it wrapped just uh, about six weeks later, six weeks to film this movie. So have you guys ever gone down the worm hill the wormhole, the wormhole of watching this movie through the lens of Danny LaRusso as the villain. 
Have you guys ever heard of this theory or any? No. Yeah. Well, wait. Um, no, I haven't. So the guy. So to your point, I have not. But the guys that wrote Cobra Kai actually sold sold um, these guys on coming back through that prism. So basically, the Cobra Kai storyline they said was not going to be Danny. It was going to be Johnny yeah. and what Johnny has. And, and they reshot. They they took parts of the last scene that hadn't been shown in the film and reshot a couple of things. And actually, I guess they introduced uh, Cobra Kai from the viewpoint of that fight yes. through the lens of Johnny, which is exactly what you're talking about. So that so the yeah, the YouTube series it really paints uh, Danny LaRusso as like the big car, you know, like in the Twin Cities, we have Luther and yes. we had and we used to have Denny Hecker. But he's until, successful. Yep, he's the successful rich car dealership owner, and Johnny is the sort of down on his luck. He's trying to get the Cobra Kai studio back going, and they flip roles. Well, there is a YouTube video out there, and you can just just Google like Daniel Russo villain or Karate Kid Daniel Russo villain, and and it lays out for five minutes. Like if you watch this movie, really, you can make a case that Daniel Russo is the villain, and that he cuts in on Johnny's girl. So Johnny comes to have a conversation, and yeah, he was a little bit out of line, but he's having a conversation with his recently ex girlfriend, yeah. and and Danny just like inserts himself in for no reason, just to be an antagonist in that spot. Then when they're on the yeah, beach, I get that. LaRusso is the aggressor on the beach and gets tripped a couple of times and and then keeps coming at Johnny. And so Johnny's like, "All right, well, I guess we're going to fight." Well, then LaRusso sucker punches Johnny oh, on yeah. the well, beach. John, Johnny takes Allie's boombox to which Danny who just met her decides to defend her and try and get it back. Yeah, but I'm saying and but, actually gets it broken. Yeah, and and, and, nice and so he box. inserts himself. Then later, he throws, if you remember, he gets in some sort of tangled thing on the soccer field with one of the other Cobra Kai guys, and he throws the first punch on that guy. So he's now thrown the oh, first punch. Oh, he's a hothead. He's a total yeah. hothead. And then, and then, so this all takes place in early September, okay? By the time we get to Halloween, the feud's basically, like, the feud's kind of over, you know, whatever. Like, these guys have fought a couple times. Danny re-sparks the feud by putting the water hose inside yes. the stall in the bathroom and reignites the whole thing. Okay, you're you're just going to, you're going down a path that I, I absolutely love. All right, Daniel Russo, and he's just like the snide sort of. Let's insecure. strip this whole. Okay, let's let's strip all that we know to be true about this film away and and go down the path that you are exploring right now. Okay, the person who hates Johnny is really Allie. She's decided she can't stand him, and it's partially because I think she still likes him, but she has decided. So Danny, who is, let's call a spade a spade, a meathead. He's a hothead. He's not a real smart kid. I would say he's a meatball in, because he's from New Jersey. In fact, he's a meatball. In fact, there are huge parts of this film where he has seemingly quit high school, not going to school, and then he magically at points reappears at his high school. But there are huge gaps where he's hanging out with Miyagi, and he clearly should be in school. And at one point, he's asked about so he's it. He's skipping said, school. He's skipping school a ton, to which mom, who was such an important factor in moving him, just sort of has disappeared. We don't know what she's doing or how she is trying to earn money. Yeah. But so that's part one. So the dynamic to me is really Allie hates Johnny and wants retribution because she's the one who keeps saying he's going to get his. And Danny is just sort of the mafia hitman conduit to try and antagonize Johnny. Now, here's the other thing about this film that's clearly written in and implied. And then it's what the people who wrote Cobra Kai um, latched onto, and it's the brilliance. 
Johnny, no matter what he's doing, good or bad, is peaking. Like, this is his life. Like, you know he's going, because he's not that smart, you know that this kid is going downhill immediately. And so, basically, Danny is antagonizing Johnny, who is going through what are the peak years of his life. This kid's got no shot in college. He's not smart. This kid is is a pretty boy, but that plays really well in mm-hmm. high school. So if you think about this, and that's where where the point about looking at this through the lens of Johnny is brilliant, is really, if nothing else, when this film gets done, if you don't feel more empathy for Johnny than Danny, something's wrong with you. Well, this is mind-blowing. Well, like, mind-blowing. I'm yeah. telling you, the film's, the film's too long, but the exploration is really in, intriguing. Boy. And in, in fact, the guys uh, who wrote Cobra Kai wrote um, Harold and Kumar. Nice. And Hot Tub Time Machine. Also a classic. Which Johnny is in. And they love that guy. Boy. My mind has been blown. But think about it. Great stuff. It's the also, high school film you, you, of of a kid who's peaking, and that's Johnny. Thing, you brought up the fact that that Daniel is basically skipping school to hang out with an old man. Yes, yeah, it's just a little weird. bit weird. That's another notch in the belt of why would Allie be dating this guy who's Correct. just like skipping out on school to hang out with because he's a bad bunch. An, an old. Janitor. I'd like comments just on Twitter. I'd like comments. I think that we can find the reason why is I think that she is a rebellious type. She hates Johnny. She wants to do everything she can to antagonize. She's not a good girl. She's not a good kid. She's oh. an anti. She's an antagonist, and she, she wants to she, piss you know off her is? father, actually, and her boyfriend. You know what she is? Ex-boyfriend. She goes off to UCLA when this movie's over, probably, and hooks and, up with and, a football player, and just like immediately does drugs and gets drunk every night, and probably drops. Oh, out of there's school. bad names about her. 100%. Wow. Yeah, I had yeah. A, I had a couple friends from high school from uh, high school like that. It's like parents wouldn't let them do anything. Get to college, boom, yep. wild children, Ridiculous. and she's gonna show her dad who deserves it because he's a bleep she's going to show her dad who's boss here yeah. and and by going out with the guy from encino it does that um who is your next category here who is your favorite character in this movie dex you go ahead i've been blabbering too much i'd probably say mr miyagi i like mr miyagi a lot he is very wise I mean, and and there's there's obviously like holes in every character here since we've been breaking that down for the last 45 minutes so and mr miyagi Although it's not a hole, but like it's almost heartbreaking because of the fact like his wife died, wife and child died in childbirth. So like you get this one kind of really poignant scene where he's getting hammered in his army uniform and it's like, oh, there's like actually some like demons in this dude's closet. He's not just all an intellectual reserved man. He's like actually had some trauma that he's been gone through in his life. So I, I think he's there isn't really too many plot holes with his character and his development. So I would say Mr. Miyagi. I'm going to say the Dojo Sensei is my favorite character in this movie. Just <laughs> the, the, the over the top, just like he's just a terrible human being. He's unapologetic. He's a great character. And he's teaching these kids how to just be terrible human beings and carry it forward in their life. He's he's a cancer to the society and he's not apologizing for it. And I just he, he's a man with conviction and I can stand behind that. Not the cancerous part, but the conviction. Wow, I love it. I love it. Who's your favorite character, Judd? Very simple. The most manipulative person in the film who takes her character and runs with it, Allie. Okay. Wow. Elizabeth Shue is fantastic because she took that role and crafted it really well. And and I love the fact that she comes off as a good girl, but in real life, a pain in the ass. So those are the favorite characters. Now we get to the definitive bad guy rankings here on Action Movie Rewind. 
To this point, the number one spot is Hans Gruber from Die Hard, Cyrus the Virus mm-hmm. from Con Air, this is gonna be tough, Brad though. Wesley from Roadhouse, Mr. Joshua from Lethal Weapon, Ivan Drago from Rocky Four. The Russian mobsters Vigo and Yosef from John Wick, Dennis Hopper's character from Speed, Bodie from Point Break, and Dom from Fast and the Furious. The worst villains to this point are the incompetent Russian military from Rambo 3, Gans and Billy Bear from 48 Hours, Sloan from Wanted, General Hummel from The Rock, and Bennett from Commando. I have a strong take on this because the categories are iconic status is is one of our measurements here. And then there's also just like... How villainous were they? Were they murderous? Were they... Well, Cobra Kai didn't kill anybody, but they tried. They tried to I kill Danielson they, a couple times. I wish times. they had. Why couldn't Danielson have had a friend who they killed? So, I just, actually I think... I just wanted one death. I think Cobra Kai is murderous. I think I think they tried to kill him running him off the hill. Yeah. And if Mr. Miyagi hadn't intervened, I think they would have ended Danielson's life in that alleyway. And Cobra Kai is among the most iconic sets of villains that we have reviewed to this point in 22 action movie rewinds. So, so them as a whole are the villain. It's not, it's not just Johnny. It's not the sensei. I think it's Cobra Kai as a whole. I yes, agree. It's a roving gang. And it starts with, with uh, the guy in charge, right? Yeah. I mean, sensei, that, and, that, and that's I mean, what, sensei, sensei is part of Cobra the, Kai. He sets the tone for yep. kill. And so I actually put, because of all of this, I actually put Cobra Kai... Second on our on our bad guy rankings. Oh no, that's way too high for me. Sorry. Can, what's the top five again? Hans. So it would be Hans Gruber, Cyrus the Virus from Con Air, you Brad Wesley from. They have to be above Brad Wesley from Roadhouse. In oh, terms of iconic status, they have to be. I know it's my strong opinion. Mr. Joshua from Lethal Weapon, Ivan Drago from Rocky Four. And if you just rank this whole list off of like who is the most iconic bad group or or guy. They would be flirting with number one. I'm shocked that you're putting them above Drago. They you are, love Drago. They are murderous. Well, I had Drago like number one, but you guys probably had him lower. So, I'd have Drago higher. Declan, just me. Declan, I go four. I have them four. I I don't think I can put them as high as two. They, they they're they're conniving and they're little s heads, but I don't think I can put them. I don't think I can put them like one or two. They're they're definitely four. They're top five, but they're four. That's what I would go. Judd? I'm putting him behind um, behind Drago. I can't. They, you're, you're presuming too much. I can't yeah, get I, there. I needed de- like if Drago they killed some. All I wanted to do was was splice in a friend for Johnny and then kill the friend. Okay, and then then I'm down with your point. But I like you can't talk about death. You have to show that you okay. will kill. All right, I'll, you know, I'll I'll take the L on this one. I mean, I well, you don't have to. They're, they're, we, we can factor it out. They're right. t- they're tops. They're right now, so they'd be sixth for Judd. They would be fifth for Declan, yeah, and they so, would be second for me. So what's the so let's put them? What's the fallen? I'm gonna put them then. Um, gosh, all right, we're putting them fourth. So you got him fifth. Judd's got him sixth. Yeah, I think if we, yeah. I'm going to move him up to fourth. Okay, which means Hans Gruber from Die Hard, Cyrus the Virus from Con Air, Brad Wesley from Roadhouse. See, Brad Wesley is like definitely on the evil scale up there, but he's not as iconic as some of these other ones. I agree. Uh, with you. Cobra Kai and then Mr. Joshua. And that brings us to composite score one through 10 composite or average ranking. What do you give it? One through 10. How many Seagulls? I'll, I'll go six and a half. Okay. I think it's a six and a half. It's, it's too long. It takes a long time to get to the point. There, there's holes in it. But there is, I mean, there are some iconic moments of Cobra Kai and Mr. Miyagi. There's some definitely pillars here that that stand out in pop culture, but for me, I didn't really enjoy the movie. But I'm gonna I'm gonna go six and a half. Judley, mm, a lot of things to factor in here because I I'm gonna give it a seven. 
I think a seven is very fair. It's higher than I thought you would go. Well, I mean, the pace of film is my main talking point, but it's not the only thing about this film. I think a seven is fair. Okay. So I'm giving it an eight. I like this. I mean, wow. it's been clear since the get-go. Yeah, I've, I was going to say, it's your film. That's fine. And, and, and that, you guys. That's fine, that's too. Fine. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I've got no... I've got no problem. The The thing that's fun about this entire thing to me is we all approach films from different time periods and expectations. Yeah. And so I think that's the fun of the actual ranking. It really is. Like, we're we're definitely from three different generations in part. I mean, I mean Jack Dex kind had, of grew up in the 2000s. Yeah. I grew up in the 90s. Jug grew up in the 70s and the 80s. And, uh, and I just, I mean, Karate Kid, I grew up on Karate Kid. I grew up on Ghostbusters. All those movies from like the mid late and those 80s. came out I when I was like, like Batman. fifteen. So I sort of did, but you grew up like that. Those were your first influences, yes, as so, films. So that gives it a seven point two, which puts it. I'll just read the list here. So the number one movie we have reviewed ten across the board is Die Hard, followed by John Wick, Commando, The Fast and the Furious, The Expendables, Roadhouse, Hard to Kill, Rocky Four, Independence Day, Point Break, Lethal Weapon, Casino Royale. And then Karate Kid, ahead of Speed, Out for Justice, and Con Air. The worst movies we have reviewed to this point in Action Movie Rewind, from the bottom up, are Bloodsport, Wanted, Rambo 3, Air Force 1, and 48 Hours. There it is. Solid list. So, um, Declan is going to be on vacation next week, so it's just going to be a a Mackie and Judd edition of Action Movie Rewind. So it was Declan's turn to pick a movie this week, but we're going to flip-flop you guys. Declan can pick and and then review his movie. I'm going to pick a film here that I know Declan would absolutely hate. And, Phil, I'm going to have to rely on you to be – this is not a film that I necessarily think is great, but it is a great action movie character. Um, And I'm hoping it's available because it's really old, but it should be. I'd like to pick the original 1974 Death Wish with Charles Bronson. Wow. The original Death Wish, which spawned a... I love the Death Wish series. And we're also bouncing back from no death to nothing but death. Um, so this is our oldest one that we've... Yes. Now, they did did They they redid it, but but let's try and find the Bronson one. And I was just... I just uh, called up the Wikipedia page for this film and saw that it was... um, That it was... It was criticized for its amount of violence. Wait, basically, Jeff Goldblum was in this movie. No, no, no. That's I think that's. The, oh yes, yes, he was. He he's a bad guy. I think he gets killed pretty quickly. <laughs> yes. Uh, spoiler alert. Spoiler. Yeah. Yes. Whoa. This is 1974, July. Um, Charles Bronson. A lot of just character actors at that time. Love it. All right, let's do it. But I think it'd let's be fun. I've never seen it. I think it would. I think Dex would hate it, but. Bronson himself is an iconic character, and this this is the character that he developed. All right, I'm here for it. I'm so here so for it. We're going let's old try school. and find it. Go old school, and it's pretty quick. So, so if next, you don't like it, it's gonna be done next Friday. Do I need, do I need to pop in to give? Because I have a list of three great movies. I like. I was gonna bring to the table. I didn't realize. Or just yeah, why, don't, why don't you just uh, uh, known or something? Yeah. Just, well, you can. Yeah, you, you can just tell me which one, and then we'll you got we'll it. bring it up. And if you wanted to, like, record an explanation for why you're picking the movie, you can put that on the button bar. I'm going to have to do that. (laughs) Of course you'll do that. (laughs) All right. That's a wrap on this episode of Mackie and Judd and Action Movie Rewind. We appreciate everyone hanging out with us. And uh, be sure to find Death Wish and watch along with us next week. Remember, dear, no question. Yeah, but... Right, wax on, right hand, wax off, left hand, wax on, wax off, breathe, in through nose, 
Out the mouth. Wax on, wax off. Don't forget to breathe. Very important. Wax on, wax off. Wax on, wax off. Hey, where these guys come from? Wax on. Detroit. Wax off. 